I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 307. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. As I mentioned in the intro, my goal is to help you to connect the songs you're singing along with on the radio to scripture. And my ultimate goal for you is to read your Bible for yourself. That's the first step. The next step, and the one that will keep you coming back for more, is to read it for comprehension and understanding. If you understand what you're reading, you'll be more inspired to continue to read it. And then the step after that is to rightly interpret what the Bible is saying. Not only what does it say, but what does it mean? And then finally, you can apply it to your life. Unfortunately, many people substitute a good sermon on Sunday and Christian music in their playlist for true spiritual nourishment. Additionally, when we do pull out scripture, we read it with a what's in it for me attitude, constantly looking for application first, or we read devotionally. Uh, You know, we read devotions more than we read scripture, which is just settling for what God revealed to someone else about the scripture that is readily available to you and to me to read for ourselves. Um, I also had a conversation this week with a friend who commented that she was struggling with just picking up her Bible and reading it. She had seen in place after place after place that this is the year of the Bible. It's like it's staring us down. It's on road signs and sermon uh, notes and and podcasts and all of that. And, And she knew in her heart she just needed to read it, but hadn't actually picked it up. Until one day when she had time before the kids got up or something and she just picked up and started reading in Nehemiah in the Old Testament and read the entire book in an hour and a half. Uh, And I know not all of us have an hour and a half to sit and read. I get that. But, you know, maybe the 10 chapters she got through in 1 Corinthians the other morning before church because she was ready before everyone else was. I find that we, we have time to do other things, but we get so intimidated by just picking up our Bible and reading it or or. We run across things that we don't understand and it it, it discourages us. And I totally get that. But that's why I'm excited to reintroduce the bite of read and keep on reading. Now, what's a bite? Well, it's a Bible interaction tool exercise. Bite's just an acronym. And these are exercises I use to keep my time in God's word varied. And I think the habit of read and keep on reading is one that we rarely follow. Why? Well, because we live in an Instagram verse world, right? We share verse images on social media or we, um, like I said, read devotionally. Our devotion has one verse at the top of the page. We read that and we read commentary on the rest or the pastor uses one or two verses to launch into a sermon and we just never get lost in the story. Or even if we do read chapter by chapter, doing a Bible study or something like that, again, we're just reading it chapter at a time 
time and not really taking in the larger chunks. I have mentioned in the past that there are several genres of literature featured in the Bible. You've got poetry and you've got historical narrative and you've got letters and all these other things. And some of the uh, categories like historical narrative, for example, they're easier to get lost in the story because, well, it's a story. But others like letters are important to read in large chunks as well. Because, uh, you know, again, if you write a letter, or you read a letter from somebody, you're going to read that in a larger chunk. That's why when I was inspired to dive into scripture by We Are Messengers song Power this week, I was sure to, you know, really tell myself, start at the beginning, read and keep on reading. And where did I go? Well, to a letter Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And before we dive in there, let's listen. Just keep moving on. Just keep pushing ahead. Yeah, the new has come. Only is dead. Just keep moving on. Keep your eyes on the prize. And that word in your heart. Yeah, we'll be all right. as I listened to the chorus again, I could have used this song um, for episode 304. Honestly, it's got some of that same vibe. It refers to keeping our eyes on the prize, a direct reference to language found in Philippians 3. So if you want another set of scriptures to study that might pair really well with this song, head over to episode 304 and catch that one. If you spend time in scripture following the weekly challenge, this song could remind you of this time that you study there as well as what we're going to be talking about today. So again, I've said it before, but we use songs to inspire us to go seek out uh, sections of scripture. But then once we've studied that scripture and then we hear that song again, it can trigger or remind us the things that we've studied in scripture. So it's just a win-win all the way around. Uh, But in this song, I keyed in on the phrase, the new has come, all the old is dead. And this reminds me of a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to be exact, where it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And there you have it. Now we know where we're going to spend the week. Uh, We're going to spend it in 2 Corinthians. It really is that easy. You just, you don't have to overthink it, okay? And you might say to yourself, uh, just as another example, right? Uh, I want to learn more about Joseph. I know bits and pieces of his story, but I've never really studied him. Well, go for it. Start reading in Genesis 37 or even before, because if you really want to know about a person, it's sometimes helpful to understand their family line. I'm just using that as another example to say that while I use Christian music to launch you into scripture, you can use music or anything. The key is to actually read it so you know what it says for yourself. And so that's what I did. I got my inspiration and then I started at the beginning of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians and I started to read and I kept on reading. All right, another bite that I often use is reading in context. So if I start at the beginning of a letter and read to the end, then I have absolutely read my focus area in context. It's actually in the context of the letter as a whole. And that's a really important way to read as well. Why? Why is it important? Well, when was the last time you wrote an email, wrote an important phrase in the middle of the email, but the person you wrote it to only read the phrase and didn't really understand the phrase in light of the whole email? Well, That's what we're doing every time we study a verse outside of its context. 
And again, you don't, you know, get a four page letter in the mail, turn to page two and start reading. Now, granted, once you've read the letter all the way through, there may be sections of the letter that can be read outside of the context of the whole, right? You've got like the greeting that may not be directly related to what we're going to talk about. Um, There's a section that we're going to talk about the ministry of reconciliation. And you can really study that section um, outside of the context of the whole once once you've read the whole thing, right? And so, but you won't really know how the sections break out or what the theme of the letter is until you read the whole thing, uh, hopefully at once, if you have time. Now, here's my challenge. Uh, to you, read the whole thing. Pick up Second Corinthians and read the entire letter. It's thirteen chapters. I know that there are some shorter books that we read that I'll say it's just four, but it's just thirteen. It's not like it's sixty-five. So, uh, let's say you don't have time to read all thirteen chapters, or maybe you're just really not good at reading, or you're not good at retention when you read. Uh, try the bite of listening to an audio version of this letter. You version has a free app um, for all kinds of phones that has audio versions of your favorite translations. Uh, the Uversion app actually is called the Bible. It looks like a, a brown Bible uh, on your phone. But I like to listen in the New Living Translations but uh, because it just is very conversational in nature. But you pick your favorite. Uh, better yet, pair the bite of read and keep on reading with the bite of listening to an audio version read along while it reads to you. That's an actual very powerful combination as well. Or read it one day and listen to it the next. And this way you can take the bite of repetition and add that into the mix. You'll really be amazed at how this will help you get a handle on the whole story. And then when you do sit down or do have some time for focused study, now you're not taking it out of context and you really get, you can understand some of the themes that are happening in this, in the letter. All right, so uh, as I read this letter, I sensed deep emotion. (laughs) There's something going on here. There seems to be some accusations flying around, and Paul is not only addressing them, but points the Corinthians to Jesus all the way through. Um, If the letter, as you read it, seems a little defensive to you, it really is. You know, Paul is defending his life and his ministry in this letter. I don't want you to be surprised when you encounter sarcasm along with expressions of affection for the the Corinthians, maybe even an outburst or a threat along with denunciation of those who are opposing Paul. Uh, all that's in there. It's uh, it's kind of a rich, a rich piece of writing. Now, I highly recommend of using the bite of reading an introduction to this letter. I did that this week. It helps give you valuable perspective as you read it and try to understand what exactly Paul is addressing. Because it's not like, again, this is a letter to real people set in real time. And so when he's... Um, Uh, alluding to things, they know what he's alluding to, but we don't because we weren't there. And so uh, other people have done some great research to help us understand the context and the themes, and you can discover those in your uh, introduction, uh, especially if you have a study Bible, break it out and take the time to go ahead and read that introduction. Here are a few lines from my ESV study Bible about the theme of Paul's letter. It says, the central theme of 2 Corinthians is the relationship between suffering and the power of the Spirit in Paul's apostolic life, ministry, and message. In addition to calling into question Paul's motives in organizing a collection for believers in Judea and questioning his personal courage, Paul's opponents had argued that Paul suffered too much 
to be a spirit-filled apostle of the risen Christ. Boy, (laughs) I wish I could say I've never heard of such an accusation, but I have. I've heard similarly ridiculous statements like, you must have hidden sin or God would have healed you by now. I've, I've had family members actually told that. Or Christians should not be depressed. Or any number of painful depictions, not unlike what Paul experienced with these opponents, um, of, where they just, they had it out for him and they invaded the church of Corinth and they were kind of spreading all of this opposition against him there. Now, Paul's sufferings actually, rather than uh, prove that he's not an apostle, they actually embody the cross of Christ because he endures adversity with thanksgiving and contentment. And therefore, you know, he really kind of shows off the resurrection power of the spirit through the suffering and being able to suffer it with, again, thanksgiving and contentment. And this is why this week's song can be so powerful in reminding you of what you read and study in 2 Corinthians. So I'm going to focus in on 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 11 and ending in chapter 6, verse 10, because, by the way, that's a more natural ending to this particular uh, discussion. So again, even though I'm like, ooh, from the end of chapter 5 through the beginning of chapter 6, it it seems like we should stop at chapter 6. Well, you you just have to remember that Paul didn't write his letter in chapter and verse. Those were added later to help us reference and study. Chapter and verse are not part of the sacred text. And so um, this is kind of the natural section. uh, And in fact, in my Bible, it is broken out. Like the section heading is in chapter 5 and doesn't, um, the next section doesn't start till mid Um, chapter six. But before I read some of the verses and unpack them a little, I want to share a word that Paul mentions several times. It throws me for a loop every time I read it. And so I needed to unpack it a little bit more for myself. So I followed the bite of completing a word study. Now that may seem a little intimidating, but it is super easy to do. All you have to do is look up the verse in question in biblehub.com. Uh, that's the tool I use. Uh, there are others that are that are out there. Um, I think Blue Letter Bible also has access to these types of resources. But if you go to BibleHub.com and click on the, uh, look up that verse and then click on interlinear and, and then click on the word that you want to look up and read the summary. Uh, so uh, the word in question that I'm talking about today is the word commend. He says it over and over and over. And I, I really like when I read that word, I feel like Paul is trying to praise himself and he'll say things like, I'm not trying to commend myself. And then uh, we are commending ourselves. And so I just get a little confused. So when I did the word study, it's really more about showing, proving, establishing and exhibiting. So let me give you an example. In verse 11 of chapter five, we're going to start. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God. And I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. Okay, so again, when Paul says we're not commending ourselves to you again, he's not saying we're not praising ourselves to you again. That's how I've always read it. He's actually saying we're not reintroducing ourselves And I get this, you know, I've been misrepresented and falsely accused and I have friends that I don't have to reintroduce myself to. They know me. But if I mention my loyalty or integrity and trustworthiness, it's not to brag, as Paul is saying here. It's it's to make an argument against the opposition, almost like as a reminder of the argument that they could give to the opposition. For example, my husband was misrepresented in a business transaction recently. 
He didn't have to tell me that he didn't act in the way that they were accusing him of. It was completely against his character and his way. But he still showed me the texts and the emails that he sent as a way of like commending himself or proving and establishing that he truly was being misrepresented. So I hope this helps you as you kind of read this because that word's always been a bit of a stumbling block for me as I read 2 Corinthians. And so it's going to come up again. And so I just wanted to get that one out of the way and also introduce the bite of word study. So Paul goes on to say in verse 13, for if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Now, it seems that one of the accusations is that Paul was a little crazy, you know, perhaps overreacting. And the accusation is that he was displaying behavior that was just not in keeping with good taste and propriety. It's almost as if he's saying, if I'm acting a little crazy, it's for God. And it, and he's worth acting a little crazy for because he died for all of us. And the least thing, the least that we can do is stop living for ourselves or worrying about what others think. Rather live for Jesus who died and was raised for our sake. That's what he's saying. And in verse 16, it says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All right. So it says, from now on, therefore. I love this. It's because we're not living for ourselves anymore. We're not living for ourselves anymore anyway that we can regard no one according to the flesh. Now, don't forget, when you see a therefore, you need to look to see what it's there for. So when he says we regard no one according to the flesh, he means that we don't pay attention to or we don't judge people according to worldly standards and values that basically say um, that, that your physical present life is all that matters. Okay. And so once again, we're not living for ourselves or we're not living as if the present life is all that matters. Why? Because anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This makes a whole lot more sense now that we're considering it in context, doesn't it? I mean, it's a good phrase and you may, may have even heard the verse before. You may have even shared the verse before in social media, but it, it means a whole lot more now that we've unpacked the verses around it and the context around it. So as you sing those lyrics in the song, you can think of that, of that newness, meaning that we don't live for ourselves anymore as if this present life is all that matters. That's what that newness means. So if you keep reading, you actually can learn more about the ministry of reconciliation and our part in it. Paul uses words like implore and appeal. I want you to look closely at what he's asking of the Corinthians. These will be important things in your life as a believer as well. He is laser focused on the end goal of his ministry. And so if we fast forward to to verse three of chapter six, it leads into another list. So with the idea, again, that he is not living as though this present life is all that matters, but rather he's living in newness of life as unto God for the sake of his followers. We'll start to read in verse three. We put no obstacle in anyone's way. So that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. There's that word again. Remember, he's trying to show, he's trying to reintroduce ourselves um, in every way by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, 
by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as imposters and yet are true, as unknown and yet what we are well known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. Now this list is full and rich and worth pondering. I mean, we're at the end of the podcast today, but he's saying we're introducing that which you already know represents our ministry. And did you hear it? The power of God is in this list. But so is dishonor and slander and afflictions and hardship and sleepless nights and hunger. The very thing that Paul's opponents used to try to discredit him, he is listing here as proof and defense. And I love what my Bible, my study Bible says. It says, Paul defends his ministry as an apostle by once again calling attention to his faithfulness amid the changing circumstances of his apostolic life. Paul's ministry reflects God's power in spite of human weakness. Because it's not our power and our strength that we sing about this week. It's God's power. So what's next? Well, I hope you will take the challenge to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and read all 13 chapters. And if this song is inspirational to you in any way, spend some time looking for the words power and strength and uh, versus weakness in this letter. This would be a great compare contrast uh, study for you. You might be surprised at what you, dis- what you discover. <laughs> and then just read and keep on reading. You can do it. And so while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, Michelle at Michelle Nizat. Hop on Twitter at Michelle Nizat or Instagram at Michelle, Michelle Nizat. My public page on Facebook is Michelle L. Nizat. And let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers who have subscribed recently, like Melanie from Ohio and Sarah from Illinois. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites. I've introduced a few today, but I have a great one-page resource for you. It's a great place to start. Subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week, and in that email, you get weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You also get an email recap of the week's episode and you get instant access to some of the extra resources I create for my podcast episodes from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? This really, really, really encourages me, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. So if, as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast through iTunes, the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using The God Who Saves by Matthew West to lead us to scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 307. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.